if you have something to say, I'd like to hear it. I want a divorce. Are you asking me for a divorce? Divorce? I will divorce you so fast, it'll make your head spin. I want a divorce. 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 Want a divorce. This is Dallas Divorce Talk with Don Butner and Carla Calabrese. Don and Carla guide you deep inside the world of divorce through all the ins and outs, ups and downs, and any unexpected turns. Now, your hosts to have and to hear, Don Budner and Carla Calabrese. Hello, Dallas. We are Dallas Divorce Talk. I'm Don Budner, and this is my law partner, Carla Calabrese of the law firm Calabrese Budner, and we are here to welcome you for a conversation that we are calling The Story of Your Divorce. And we have a very special guest with us today, Ms. Nancy Wonders. And why do we call her a special guest? Because she is one of the most amazing mm-hmm. women that <laughs> Carla and I have ever met. Clearly, true, hands Carla. down, true, true. true. Um, so, Ms. Nancy, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I am a mother of two children. I'll start with that. I am divorced. I went through an interesting path of my own with my divorce. I am an executive coach. And I can select the kind of uh, resume items are career coach, life coach, executive coach, um, organizational development consultant. I would say at the heart of everything I do is helping people recognize where they have limiting beliefs or stories about themselves and their possibilities and help them expand those and think more creatively and act more courageously. Well, you all out there, I have to say, are (laughs) extremely fortunate to have the opportunity to hear a few words from Ms. Nancy. And Carla and I and our firm um, have been blessed to work with her over the last couple of years to try to create a firm with a different kind of vision and make a difference in the world to the extent we can. Um, But I want you to get to know Nancy a little bit better. So Nancy, back before you became the wonderful, courageous Nancy Wonders, (laughs) you worked at a big accounting firm. That's right. Mm. How was that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was, um, let's see, I was a daddy's girl when I was young. And that was a career my father thought I'd be good at. I actually was good at it. I just didn't love it. So I have like eight years in public accounting. I have an undergrad degree in accounting. And um, I have a number of years in um, software development and stuff like that. And then I went back to grad school and got a master's in counseling psychology and discovered what I think is um, was my true path. And the two of them together allow me to work with organizations like yours to both solve business problems and the human problems that sometimes contribute to the business problems. So, so tell us a little bit more about who your clients are and the the types of work you do with them. Well, currently, and it's changed, I've got almost 20 years of experience, but currently I am working um, probably over 50% of my business is with millennials. And having raised to myself, I happen to be a major fan of the millennial generation. 
And so I teach for America as a client of mine. I work with a lot of nonprofits. I work with small for-profits. I tend to end up with clients that are often women-led businesses. Um, I work with individuals in transition a lot. So kids coming out of college, trying to figure out what's next or trying to adjust to the demands of the workplace. Um, women who are and men who are in their third chapter trying to figure out what's next for them. Okay. You do a lot of that work, don't you, with respect to middle-aged kind of mm -hmm. empty nesters. Yes. Pe people are going through divorce. Right. Right. Transition, Absolutely. change. That's a yep. really strong suit of yours, yep. mine. Yeah. yeah, they're all identity transitions. You know, yeah. going from not gender identity. <laughs> just clarify. But, but, but she not I could always, do that too. But, right? Yes, okay. we could do that. I mean, too. I mean there's not uh, much you can't do. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's right because identity going from one level of identity, how you think of yourself, to the next level of identity, are passages that happen multiple times in a lifespan, and it really helps to have a thinking partner and somebody who kind. It's like river rafting you you never know what the water's going to be like today with these people on the raft but having some experience on that river and with rafting really helps and so i'm like your rafting guide oh that's cool, very cool, cool analogy any, any athletic endeavor i need a guide <laughs> <laughs> uh, so since we're dallas divorce talk Tell us some yeah. of the common themes that you see in your work with clients who are going through a divorce. Right. So for myself, as well as um, most of the people that I work with in any kind of transition, but particularly, I think, divorce and marriage, is that these changes really trigger our fear and our scarcity about the future. And so in the face of those kinds of things, we contract, which means our ability to think creatively, um, to uh, respond resiliently diminishes. <coughs> so aside... Give us an example of what that might look like. <coughs> right. So, um, I, so I jump out ahead of this moment and tell myself a story <coughs> Excuse me, about how my... Um, best days are behind me and not ahead of okay. me. Okay. Carla, you ever have a client that seems in that frame of mind? Mm, yes. <laughs> I have had clients that seem in that frame of mind. I think it's absolutely interesting because that's exactly where a lot of them go right off the bat. Because you said like it's fear. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're mm -hmm. driven by fear. When, they, when, they're coming, when clients come in our office, I don't care who they are, male, female, I don't care if they have the money or they don't. They have the power, the education. I think they're all pretty fear-based fear and scarcity. I love that term, scarcity, because I never There's thought of it. Enough. Thought of it in that term, yeah. but it is well because. A lot. So fear, because most people are not experts at going through divorce. It right. doesn't happen for most people, you know, more than once. And then, in addition to that. Um, you know, it's a loss because nobody yes. expects that yes. they're going to be divorced when they marry, even right. though 50% of people who marry will end up divorced. Right. And, give, and connecting those two thoughts about fear and loss, many of us, including myself, um, are of, our greatest fear is the fear of loss. Yeah. The right. fear of things sure. changing, the fear of being in new territory we don't understand and we don't know how to navigate. 
So it's a time that just triggers our kind of amygdala, which is our um, midbrain, our limbic brain, our emotional brain. Our reptile brain. <laughs> yes, also true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kevin, were you waving at me for a reason? So do we have to go to a break? Uh, I was just recommending a break. Yeah, you know, oh, well, already? So, so ladies, do you think we should follow Kevin's recommendation? Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe. I guess. All right. <laughs> we'll go for a quick break, and we will be back to continue our conversation with Nancy Wonder. Don't split. More of Dallas Divorce Talk coming up next. Celebrating the sanctity of good radio, this is Dallas Divorce Talk. What you want, baby, I got and we're back. This is Dallas Divorce Talk. We are going to continue our conversation with Nancy Wonders. And we were just talking about some of the feelings and concerns and worries that clients who are going through a divorce will show or, you know, you will observe right. in them. Right. And so... You mentioned the term scarcity, mm-hmm. and tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that. Well, you might think about it as fear light. It is, but it's a sense of, it's a kind of thinking that's think, that comes out of there's not enough. Um, some people talk about a, a philosophical approach to life that's a zero-sum game, meaning right. if I get something, that means you lost or if you get something I lost so right. scarcity thinking is fundamentally comes out of not enough or lack based thinking and we often don't even recognize we have those thoughts and they get triggered in times of change when we are particularly uncertain about what's coming next and there's a lot at stake so if you've got children would it be an example then to think if <coughs> if my children are spending time with their other parent, then that means they're going to be less close to me. Exactly. As opposed to thinking the children can take all of the love and right. parent time that they can get. Exactly. That's that's a that's an that is a yes. Yeah, so it's not just a monetary thing, thing necessarily, no. although it is <coughs> often a monetary it, right. thing. Yes, right. In our right. world, because right. you know. It's, it's, yep. It gets connected to a whole bunch of things right. for people. And often, um, these transitions bring up for us um, things that are still unresolved inside of us, that are still undeveloped, might be another way to think about it. So we could see them as an opportunity to grow. And really, my recommendation, thinking about um, your clients and the work that you all are doing, is that the first thing you would want to do as you're entering into a divorce is learn to stop yourself from going reactive. What does that mean? What that means is... Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh Not the first time I've heard this advice from Nancy. (laughs) Well, all of us. When we are contracting around fear, we tend to respond to things n- not from our better angels, shall we say. So from we, that reptilian portion of our brain? That's right. That's right. From a, it's a reaction. It's not thought through. 
if we really look back on it a day later and we're not so triggered or upset, we're more likely to go, oh, I could have handled that better. So one way to not get reactive is to just slow your breathing down. I knew you were going to say that. Mm -hmm. Every time you talk about breathing, I have to just start thinking yeah. about my breathing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's re and a simple way to slow your breathing down is just make your exhale twice as long as your inhale. So like if we went inhale to the count of three, one, two, three, and then we can all exhale to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And you do that for just three breaths in a row. And the research on this is phenomenal. We have a nerve, it's called the vagus nerve, and people can Google this if they want, but it connects all of our organs and it regulates our parasympathetic nervous system, which very much controls our physical well-being. So that, Who knew? I mean, really, Who I think I, I probably as a, especially as a collaborative lawyer, I mean, I've been yeah. to a jillion of these seminars with respect to the emotional intelligence and all that good stuff that we're trying to teach and learn right. and all that. I never heard the vagus vein or the yeah. vagus nerve, nerve or whatever. What's right. it called? Vagus? Vegas. Like Las Vegas? <laughs> like, yeah, Las Vegas? I think it is. It's, but it's actually spelt a little different. Okay. V-A-G-U-S. But it goes way back. Oh. It's up in your head. It comes so all the way down your spine, touches all these I organs. I no idea. And the key to good vagal tone is five to seven breaths in a minute. So your listeners could experiment with that. And the way I'd suggest you experiment is that you set your timer on your phone for 60 seconds and just breathe normally and count your breaths. My guess is you're gonna come in around 12 to 14 breaths per minute, that's most people. And then you do it again, but then you consciously try to slow your breathing down to get it to five to seven breaths a minute. When I do this with a room of people, you can feel the room shift. Everybody can feel the room shift. In what way? <clears throat> what happens is you just have this overall sense of well-being. Oh my gosh, that's hmm. so crazy. It's amazing. So this is not about, hey, this is an exercise you can do when you're, you know, you're upstairs brain is in the basement and all that stuff that we you know they say it like the momentous institute right. that you've taught us you know right. which is a phenomenal organization teaching right. little kids about emotional intelligence right but so it sounds to me because i've always thought when we've talked about this is it's about when you're in that crazy moment when you're you're upset right. or you're right. or you're withdrawing or you know those yep. but you're saying really if you just want to change your Breath. mood your mood yes right yes maybe change from your, a from yeah. a I feel okay to a, hey, I feel pretty good. I yeah. mean, this is an op yeah. this is possibly yeah. something you could yeah. do. I really recommend that people take breathing breaks. Um, so cool. During the day, you can set it up on your phone. Um, yeah. And you can do that just, like, do that for a minute. Just slow your breath down. Or if you've got three minutes, do it for three minutes. It gives you this sense of, I can handle my life. I can handle what comes towards me. And that, one of the things that's true about us as humans is our emotional states are contagious. Right. So another piece of interesting research is it turns out we have three brains. The head that we all have thought of as our brain, this mass of neurons that's our heart, and then our gut. And the head is the slowest brain of the three. 
the gut is the fastest and the heart's in the middle. The head sends and receives information the most close in, like just right about here. The heart is three times faster and the gut again leads the race. So, <clears throat> so is that where like this, a lot of impulsivity comes from? Or yeah, well it's how- Because the gut is like- It's how atmosphere is contagious. So it's oh, how when you yeah. see one person end up getting hijacked, meaning that reptilian brain, that limbic system brain takes over and their thinking brain. Fight or flight, right. people call Ex it also. Exactly, exactly. So their thinking brain takes a vacation. That <laughs> goes offline. That's right. That is contagious. And so think about your clients in their homes and they've had a bad meeting or a bad conversation or they just thought of a scary thought. They got out ahead of the present moment, told a story about a negative future coming towards them because of this divorce, and now they're hijacked. And that we transmit that to our kids. But mm. all we have to do wow. is shift our breathing. And we kind of right-size ourselves and we right-size our emotional reaction. So I guess I'm gonna have to like take this from Kevin, this little piece we're doing, and I'm going to have to give it to every single client who comes in my door, because this is absolutely so important for them to understand and know, because it's not even reasonable to think you're gonna go through a divorce and not be pretty much in that downstairs brain most of the time yes. that you are going through it. Yes. So, and then you're going yes. home and then you're through your gut, you're just splashing all over your children. Right. Yeah. I mean, what a mess. <laughs> you know what this reminds me what, what of? Mommy brought you. <laughs> Jesus. You know what this reminds me of? We've talked so much about, in co-parenting, about how Communication is only 7% the words you say, yes. and 93% is you know the nonverbal non and the body right. language and the gut spewing. <laughs> right. And so that's just another way of looking at it, yes, that you're projecting right. what you're going through right. to your children. So you're, right. you're not saving them because you didn't say a mean sentence about their other parent. Right, right. Exactly. Wow. They yeah. know when you freeze when you, when you hear your spouse's name. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. That's absolutely right. communicated to them. So what do you do when that happens? <clears throat> you breathe. You just slow your breathing down. And now you're communicating well-being. And it'll be just a little blip on their radar screen. So that's all you have. You can teach them to do it. I mean, Momentus teaches three-year-olds Why do doesn't this. everyone know this? Nobody well, knows this. Let's just go with nobody right. knows it. That's true. Let's that's start true. there. Well, interestingly, it is actually making it faster in the corporate world than it is in the legal world. Um, but it is the so when people talk about social emotional intelligence, when people talk about mindfulness or mindful breathing, it is all based on a lot of mostly neuroscience research that is teaching us how to self-regulate. Explain a little bit more what that means, self-regulate. So uh, emotional intelligence has four pillars. The first is self-awareness. I can't regulate what I'm not aware of. So I've got to know my thinking brain is not in charge. We have to know our triggers and things that, you know, we have to face up to the facts of, you know, our little potholes. Yes. 
Yes, we all have triggers. We all have places that we're vulnerable. Just like we all have particular ways we physically get sick. I get colds, I don't ever get flus. People have, we all have kind of vulnerabilities in our systems. So we have to know what those are and then we have to have resources to counter them. And breathing is one of the most important fast resources. And it's cheap. Like, I like the Quite tool. Quite inexpensive. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 And you have to yeah, do a lot, it anyway. A lot cheaper than a therapist, for That's God's amazing. sake. Yeah. No, but, but, you know, tool. I've heard you use yeah. the word tool. You know, yeah. what? get your tools out of your toolbox, right? right. And that is the right. simplest but most effective right. tool to right. deal with right. when you're right. in a bad place well, emotionally. we don't usually yes. plan ahead for things that are going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. all going to have a bad day. We're mm-hmm. all going to, yes. you know, yeah. act in a way that we wish we hadn't. Yeah. And if we know in advance and kind of plan ahead for it, then maybe mm-hmm. we'll remember to stop and breathe before yeah. we say that thing that, That's you know, right. we wish we hadn't said. That's right. That's exactly right. That's what I'm hoping for others. I will never remember. To <laughs> <do that. laughs> but good luck to everyone else out there. <laughs> Actually, you will. It's just because <laughs> Nancy of will bop you over the head right. if you don't. <laughs> if you're with me. No, it's like those breathing breaks on your phone. Like if you put those on your phone, that is going to teach you, even if you ignore it when the alarm goes off. It's still uh-huh. information to your brain. Now that she's you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> that you can do something differently. And eventually, you'll remember in the moment that you have a choice here. Think about for families when you've had a bad day or your spouse, um, your ex has had a bad day and they've got and they're picking up the kids. If as adults, we could say to the kids, dad just had a really bad day. Mom just had a really bad day. We are all going to do a minute of deep breathing. We're all going to try to get our breath so slow it's under seven breaths a minute you will feel in a car the shift I mean think about it we all know what it's like to walk into a room and you can kind of cut the tension with a knife right Mm -hmm. yeah or walk in a room and it's got this welcoming atmosphere that's true Mm -hmm. that stuff is not about the words coming out of our mouth Mm -hmm. that's more about this stuff coming from our hearts and our guts and our inner sense of well-being so social emotional intelligence is about self-awareness record just checking in with yourself what's my emotional state and if it's not where I want it to be how can I regulate it and so there's lots of stuff out online. People can Google about this. Um, but there, so those are, that's but half of the story. Mm-hmm. The other half of the story. Wait, before you say yes. that, okay. what are, you said that there, there are four. four. Yeah. Right. So the two, the first two are self-awareness, self-regulation. And then the other two are social awareness and becoming an integrated influencer. So that Sounds and like this we is, might need to have another session with Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all, I'm taking this right out of Momentous Institute's work on social-emotional intelligence. They're right here in Dallas. They're an amazing yeah, organization that offers so many classes um, to parents, to teachers. It's primarily teaching social-emotional intelligence in classrooms. That's incredible. You know? yeah. So they have these little three-year-old and four-year-olds who on the playground we'll say to each other when a kid is upset, 
you flipped your lid. You've <laughs> lost your thinking brain. It's gone offline. Breathe with me. They don't say thinking brain. They just call it your lid. They call the thinking brain your lid. And they just say, you flipped your lid. Breathe. I'll breathe with you. Thank God. <laughs> these kids are going to grow up I and help know. us calm down. I know. I know. It's really amazing. They're just going to be happier people. That's, That's incredible. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day. And things don't take you out. Happier, empowered people. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that you don't, none of us want to be hijacked by an ex's text or behavior. Oh my God, they're, con they're, the they're hijacked feeling. constantly by an ex's text. I, know. I mean, that stuff is just unbelievable when I, I just, first of all, it's stunning that people put things in writing in yes. a text when they're in the middle of a divorce. Right, right. <laughs> and you're like, do you not realize the right. judge could get that very yes. unbelievably disgusting thing you just right. said to your spouse? Right, um, right. But it, it does, I mean, I'm I know for me personally, I am constantly trying to help my clients um, deal with this. And you know, how do you deal with that, just bit, that issue of the text, right? You just not let it knock so, you off. So Jackie. what I tend to been, have been tending to tell uh, my clients, and I think I'm gonna add this is, mm -hmm. just ignore it. You know, mm -hmm. just ignore it. I mean, don't mm -hmm. don't respond. Yes. Certainly don't respond to anything anything like kind. Right. But, you know, at some point you're just get to a point where you're just gonna right. ignore it. Well, that's almost ridiculous if you really think about that I'm right. telling them they can ignore their spouse in the middle of their divorce. It's just right. almost impossible. Right. Well, especially if you have children, you can get into right. big trouble for it. Well, but I don't texts. even mean that. I'm talking about the nasty text that has nothing to do with the kids, right? Right. They still have a hard time. But if you taught them the breathing exercise. Yes. That's an actual tool, exactly. right? Before they responded, even if they responded, they probably right. would respond in a right. way that would be more effective. Right, absolutely. Um, right. So, absolutely. yeah, it's interesting. And that actually is a great segue into something else I really wanted to share with your clients, which is, so what do you do after you settle your breathing down? I would encourage them before they respond to that text, to focus on their long game. Now, what do I mean when I say long game? I mean your life after this divorce. You know, the divorce has kind of taken over this, you know, the whole your of whole, your life. Yeah. It's always Absolutely. there. It's always all this it. change, all this uncertainty. But there's going to be life afterwards. And you need a vision for what you want that to be. How do you want you to operate with your children? How do you want your um, your professional life to be? How do you want your relationship life to be? What do you want your romantic life to be? Well, and you know, <coughs> I, I haven't had the pleasure of going through a divorce myself. <laughs> the pleasure. Um, <laughs> I, my parents did, but I think, yeah. you know, from what, it, looking and working with my clients, I think that mm -hmm. it's very hard to shift from the mindset of being part of a couple to going back it to yourself is. again. So if yes. you have a vision, that encompasses who am I now, Yes. then that right. sounds a lot happier right. and, and more positive than right. just I'm now, you know, a sad half of a couple that broke up. Right. And who do I want to become? What did I leave behind in the marriage? What's unfinished for me? What's possible for me now? You know, and you can, there's all kinds of books out there. You can work with people like me. That's a lot of the kind of work I do. You can work with your family or friends, but start to imagine a future that excites you for yourself. And then that's what you connect to and reconnect to when you get those texts that throw you. You settle your oh, breathing so and then you think, okay, where am I going? What's my long game? That's the opposite of being 
reactive. That's being proactive. What response can I make to this text that gets me closer to my long game? And what's really important about that, the most important thing, is it's no longer about him or her. It's now about you yeah. and your future. And that gives you the sense of authorship, of being the author of your own story instead of being a victim of yeah, someone else's I, behavior. Yeah, victimization is huge in divorce. I mean, it's just humongous. I mean, it's everybody, <coughs> not everybody, but a lot of people sit in that victim place. Yep. And it's really ineffective for them. And it just right. does not Well, they're get choosing the, a story yeah. that puts right. them in a role that nobody should want to be in, right? right? And right. so talk, Nancy, you say something that I've often stolen um, that I think is so helpful and it has the word story in it also, but the idea of recognizing the difference between yes. objective facts and the story that you're telling yourself. Yeah, yeah. So <coughs> I talk about the difference between suffering and unnecessary suffering. Divorce has necessary suffering. It is the ending of whatever dream you had when you married this person. It is changes, th things will not be as they were. But, it is, but there is also a kind of unnecessary suffering that most of us going through change engage in that we could spare ourselves. And that's about the stories we tell about the future. If we tell stories like, if we call our divorce a catastrophic event in our heads, especially the stories we tell to ourselves, Right. Because our limbic system's listening, and, it, and so then it, it gets scared and anxious. But if we tell the story that I don't know, that's just a neutral story. My life could be better after this. My life could be better and worse after this. And then move into the question of what is it I want my life to be, and what are the moves I can make towards it. So we can't help but want to know the future. But acting like we know the future and then responding, making our choices based on something that's unknown, that's not here yet, is what causes a lot of unnecessary suffering. Mm. And essentially, we do that because we have fear of the unknown. So we're that's trying to think right. of all the terrible things. Oh, right. never find love again. Right, 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 right. You know, and right. all those things, right? Right, bag lady on the street. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but with your you know, author metaphor, essentially, whatever is your story, yeah. you get to write it. Yeah, exactly. That's so empowering. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like Me too. I do like the concept of the, the unnecessary suffering because I mm -hmm. think it's really, you cannot, t I've done this many times, I yeah. can't tell you, told a client it's gonna get better, yeah. right? But they can't hear it, yeah. right? So yeah. I wonder if it would be a better approach to be, look, and explain the necessary and right. the unnecessary suffering. Right. So that, right. look, there is, a, like you said, there's some part of this that you're just gonna be in the in the shitter, excuse yeah. my French, right? And yeah. it's gonna feel like hard. <laughs> excuse my <laughs> French. It, it's, it's, it feels like crap, it's yeah. just awful. And it's okay, because that's the necessary suffering. Right. That I've heard you say over the years, that's where the growth comes. Yes. I mean, you can't really grow if you haven't like kind of hit that right. rock bottom, you know? And so that's a whole different animal I know. But yes. then, but I would help them to then separate the concept of the necessary right. versus the unnecessary right. suffering. Right. I love it, I love so it. So this is an interesting, my very wise friend, um, Ann Landry, godmother to my children, 
um, said to me when I had sent my last child off to school and I was, you know, missing him and missing mothering with children in my house and all that sort of thing. And I called her crying one day and she said, Nancy, are you missing Zach for today? Or are you missing not ever having Zach live with you or anybody live with you of your kids again? And I was like, oh, well, the latter. <laughs> okay, well, Of course, I can handle today. And it was over. It was just such an amazing mm. shift. And then, oddly enough, and she was so right, four years later, Zach moved in with me. Yeah, it turns out they never really did. <laughs> also true. That's a catastrophe, in my opinion. <laughs> well, right, it kind of was. <laughs> so be careful what you No, for. thank you. Be careful um, Oh my God! I love them, yeah. but okay, you guys. I mean, we are. I feel like out of just time? the tip of the iceberg. We are. You're coming but, back. Yeah, yes. I'd love to. You're coming you back. Have to Next come back. episode. Yeah. What wonderful, yeah. empowering thoughts. Yeah, yeah. this oh, is great. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. You're so welcome. Thank you. So All right, good. check us out on Facebook Live, Dallas Divorce Talk, and we'll be back again soon. Thank you so much for listening.